We got it, buddy. You're welcome. All right, good evening. evening. We want to thank you so much for coming tonight and being here. And that was a good song for tonight because that's an amazing thing to see 11 people baptizing, professing their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, this is a good moment for teaching and wisdom. Okay? All right, so, as you know, generally speaking, the senior pastor is the baptizer. Um, but however, here at Dorisville, it's not uncommon for Brit and I to share those responsibilities. Well, so, you know, in the interest of health and safety, um, it was determined by me that given the size of a couple of those guys, it would probably be better if I didn't baptize them. Um, and so, after seeing what happened tonight, I'm really glad. Um, because tomorrow's headline would have read, Two Drowned and Baptismal Service. You know? So, amen, praise the Lord for wisdom. And like I say, thank you, Brent, brother. He is one stout dude, and he rescued the day. Appreciate that so very much. And secondly, again, so many guests here tonight. And again, we're just so glad that you are here. Um, we are having a big deal on Easter. Of course, all churches have a big deal on Easter. And we'll have a wonderful service, but that's not what I want to tell you about. Uh, we invite you to that, of course. We start at 1015 uh, in the, our other building there, our morning worship. But we're having dinner. Um, we're having an Easter dinner here, Easter community dinner, and uh, it's going to be at noon after our services, and we would love to feed your family. We would. We're inviting the whole community. Anybody who wants to come in, uh, be you know the standard like ham, scalloped potatoes, green beans, corn rolls, and cupcakes, I think, for dessert. Um, anyway, we would love to have you. No cost. No cost. And uh, the number's on the sign outside to make a reservation. You can walk in. It's not a deal at all. There's some reservation forms down here. And we would just love to feed your entire family Easter dinner. And then the cool part is, if you want to, and you don't have to be a Dorisville person to do this, but if you want to, you can serve that day. We're also going to be making deliveries of meals to people that are shut in and those kinds of folks. We're going to some of the nursing homes, and, and not for the patients, uh, the clients, but for the staff. Um, the police department, the fire department, and taking Easter dinner to them also. So if you wanted to serve, you can certainly have a part in that too. So if you don't have plans for Easter dinner, you have a special invitation from the Norrisville Baptist Church to come and join us. And if you need more details, you just let us know. We would love to have you. We really would. All right. Well, again, if you're visiting tonight, you say, what do you do, you know, like on a Sunday night? Well, we do lots of things. But tonight we're going to preach the word to you, preach the gospel, the, the word of God. And we're going to take it from a book called 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 1. So there's a pew Bible out there. I don't have the page number, but there's a table of contents in front if you need that. And uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 1. And you know, it's an amazing thing that those folks today, you know, profess their faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, again, if you think about it, I wish, I wish I could tie the two messages together from this morning and tonight better. But you know, it's an amazing thing. Have you ever thought about this? Why are we talking about Jesus? Why are we talking about Jesus? Because Jesus was a guy, totally from like unknown. Jesus was a guy, didn't travel more than about 50 miles from his hometown. He was from a place called Nazareth, was absolutely, was across the tracks, bad part of town. You know, it's it just a dark area to be from. People were looked down upon that were from Nazareth. And he's a carpenter. And, and no one should be talking about Jesus 2,000 years ago, or 2,000 years later, and yet here we are, you know, here we are in like two-fifths or two, you know, 2.5-fifths of the world. Is that a number? 2.5-fifths. I don't know. You figure it out later. Anyway, know and identify with the name of Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing. And the reason why is it's who he is. It's who he is. 
and who he claimed to be and who he is. And he claimed to be the son of God. And guess what he is? He is the son of God. And that's what these folks verified in their lives even tonight. Now, to start off the message, can I introduce the message? Because we're going to talk about some hard things tonight as far as following God. Because, you know, I'm certain, pretty sure, no one wants to go to hell. Uh, we kind of get that one. If you're given a choice of heaven or hell, most people go, mm, heaven sounds better, so I'll choose heaven. But, but there's so much more to it than that as far as going to heaven or hell. And in fact, you know, in American culture, and, and, and you know, our church goes to different cultures in the world on mission trips, and in American culture, it's kind of the idea that if I trust God, okay, I'm not going to get sick, I'm going to get a good job, I'm going to get a promotion, my kids will never need braces, and they all get free scholarships to college, you know? It's kind of like life becomes perfect when you trust Jesus Christ. The only thing is, that's not in the Bible. I mean, it sells really good, it preaches really good, but that's not what the Bible says. In fact, following God is often a really hard thing. There's this guy you may have heard of, a guy named Job. He lived a long time ago, um, back probably, Job, the book of Job is probably one of the oldest books in the Bible. And so Job was a guy, he was very wealthy, things were great, had lots of kids, lots of cattle, lots of oxen, life was really good. And he was a very godly man. And then some circumstances began happening in his life, and slowly he lost everything. He lost literally everything, in fact. In fact, the last thing that happened to him was all his kids were having a big party, you know, and a tornado came and knocked the house down and killed all of them. Imagine that, losing everything. And this guy's a God follower. This guy's like, you know, believes in God. He's doing things right. And then he died. You know, everything everybody loves and touches dies. And later on, just a little bit later on, he gets all like boils all over his body. I mean, life is really, really, really bad. And you're going... But he was a God follower. He did it right, Dwayne. Well, see, he understood what we call the sovereignty of God, that God is working out not our purpose, but his purpose. And that purpose is really big. It's really big. There's a great scripture in the book of Job that, that he says this. Here he is. He's just received word that all of his kids have died. What do you think he's going to say? Here's what he says. So Job stood up. He tore his robe, and that's a sign of great grief. He tore his robe, and then he shaved his head, okay? And that also is a sign of great grief. He fell to the ground, and he worshiped. How about that? He loseth everything, and he worships. Wow. Here's what he said. Naked I came from my mother's womb. In other words, when I was born, I was naked. And naked I will leave this world. In other words, I'm going to leave with absolutely nothing. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. And here's good. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Somehow he didn't blame God. He didn't know what was going on. Sometimes we don't know what's going on. And yet he didn't blame God. Instead, he goes, you know, I came with nothing. I'm leaving with nothing. You know, the Lord gives. The Lord chooses to take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And somewhere in there, you've got to figure something out. You've got to say somewhere that this God must be pretty incredible to follow in spite of that. I mean, if everything was roses and hunky-dory, then you kind of go, yeah, man, it really pays to serve God. But what's going on when things go totally bad and it's still worth serving? That's a big question. It really is. Well, we're doing our, our messages, our teaching times, um, kind of based on a song that, that we really love here at Dorsville. It's called In Christ Alone. And it's just about Jesus. It's a, it's a celebration of who Jesus is. And in the verse that I want to use tonight, kind of as the launching point for the message, here's what, here's what the songwriter, the Gettys, wrote. It says, No guilt in life, 
no fear in death. No guilt in life, no fear in death. Now, that's big. That's big. Imagine, imagine a life where there's no guilt. Because a lot of us are beat up for our own guilt. We got junk in our life. We got junk in our past. We got all this crud in the past. And we just feel guilt and shame, guilt and shame, guilt and shame. And here along comes this God that I'm telling you about. This God comes along and says, you know, if you'll believe my son Jesus Christ, I will, like these guys did, I, I will forgive that sin. And that guilt is removed. In fact, in a, in a book called Romans in the New Testament, it says this, that there's now no condemnation, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the only one who could, who could condemn us, and that's Jesus, is God, he says, nope, I'm not going to do it because of what Jesus Christ did and our faith in him. No guilt in life, no fear in death. Wow. Now, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Dwayne, that, that sounds pretty good. So you're, so you're saying, we live life, and I don't care this, this boatload of guilt I've got about how many times I've messed up in life. I don't, I don't have that. And you're saying me that, that when, my, when the time comes for me to die, I, I can face that without fear? Uh, yeah. Yeah, because see, Jesus Christ, we're going to celebrate Easter. You know, Easter, what Easter is about, April 1st, is we're going to celebrate the fact that Jesus died, but he came back to life on, on the third day. I mean, he's the only guy, you know, only religious leader, only religious leader to die and come back to life. That's quite a claim and quite a, quite a performance. It really is. And so it says no fear in death because when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he says as he died and came back to life, so if we die, we come back to life. And on top of that, there's a great verse. In fact, this, this book we're in tonight, 2 Timothy is just loaded with good stuff. But in 2 Timothy 1, 7, here's what it says. God has not given us a spirit of fear. But a power, love, and a sound mind. Wow, can you imagine living a life with no guilt and no fear? No guilt and no fear. Well, that's what the song says. And then it goes on, no, no guilt in life, no, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. For life, from life's first cry to final breath, bookends. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. How powerful is that? We believe in the sovereignty of God. That our Father is in control, and we often, confession time, spoiler alert, we often don't understand what he does. I, I, there's so many times I don't understand. I go, God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? We know a tragedy happens in our community, whether you go back to the tornado or the house fire just, just several weeks ago. God, God, what is up? What is up? Often I don't understand. But the good news is God doesn't say, I want you to understand. He says, I want you just to trust me, to trust me. So that leads us into our message tonight in 2 Timothy. Again, that pew Bible's in, in your pew there. And this was written by a guy named Paul. And Paul was a Jesus hater. Okay? His passion was killing Christians. Okay? He hated Jesus. He was a, he was a very zealous Jew. He thought Jesus was wrong. He thought Jesus was an enemy of God. And so anybody believed in him, he wanted to kill him. And he's doing a pretty good job. He's on his way to Damascus, a town called Damascus, to kill people. And have him put in jail. And so what happens, he meets Jesus, you know, and not more than a vision. I believe he made him like, like, you know, remember he resurrected. And he says, hey, where are you going, Paul? What are you doing? Why, why are you persecuting me? And he goes, well, who are you? He goes, I'm Jesus. And man, like he becomes instant, like a Jesus follower. So he went from Jesus hater to Jesus follower. And God used him to write like three-fifths of the New Testament. And, and he tells the story of Jesus over and over and over again. Well, Paul's in prison. He's in prison for Jesus. 
Okay, they locked him up because he was preaching about Jesus. And so he's going to die in about three months. Okay? And so this is one of the last things he wrote before he died. And he's writing to a young preacher guy named Timothy. Okay? Hence the book, Second Timothy. All right? Now, here's what he says. Here's what he says to Timothy. Remember, he's in jail, locked up, fixing to die. He says, I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing and his kingdom. So first thing is, Paul says, hey, Timothy, what I'm writing is really serious. And, and following God and doing what God wants us to do is such serious business. He says, now, these are serious moments, and I'm, I want to tell you, I want to charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who's going to judge the living and the dead. And why is he referencing there? For, because Timothy was, a, Timothy was a Christ follower. He wasn't referencing whether Timothy goes to heaven or hell. He's referencing a judgment when determined what rewards Timothy gets. We call it the, the uh, judgment seat of Christ. And so here's what Paul writes about that in another book. He says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the deed, whether good or evil. So Timothy said, Now listen, you followed Jesus, like these 11 guys have. You followed Jesus, but you need to understand something. There's a time of accountability and responsibility coming. We're going to give an account for our lives. Not whether we go to heaven or hell. Not for the penalty of our sins. But accountability and responsibility for the way we lived our lives. And then he says in verse 2. And he gives them like three or four things to do. He says, preach the word. Preach the word. So the first thing is, is he looks at this young preacher boy and says, you need to preach the word. Now here's what I want you to get. If you are a Christ follower tonight, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, I want you to, are you ready? You're a preacher. You are a preacher. Okay? All of us are called as Christ followers to be preachers. There's a story, and really a sermon is all this is, is a story, you know? And so we all have a story, and it's the Jesus story to tell to people that we know. You know, there's a saying that's attributed to uh, St. Francis of Assisi. And, and uh, he said, he supposedly said this. He said, preach the word and preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. Well, there's two things wrong with that. One is, there's no evidence he ever said that. Okay? And two, it's really not accurate. It's just not accurate. Okay? Because here's the deal. You know, it is fine. In fact, we must live out the gospel before folks. But we got to preach the gospel. We need to use our mouths and then use our actions to flesh that out. How many of y'all have ever heard the word hypocrite? Yeah. It doesn't seem really hypocritical when someone says, oh yeah, I love God and I don't do this and I do that. Then you see them doing this and doing that and you're going, excuse me. Excuse me. So it's really important that the gospel, our witness of Jesus Christ, our, our gospel is verified by our actions. But we should be ready, and that's what Paul's saying. We should be ready to share what Jesus has done for us. So all of us are preachers. Preach the word and be ready to do so. Be ready in season and out season. I love what something Brent does, and, and I don't do it, but I maybe need to start. He asks every person in front of all you guys tonight, do you believe in Jesus Christ? I love the little kids going, yes, yes. That was the coolest part. Yes. You know, and that's preaching a sermon. It's a one-word sermon. Terry, you like those kinds. You know, one-word sermon, okay? Preach the word. Be ready in season and out season. And sometimes that involves rebuke and correct. Or words, sometimes someone we really, really love needs to hear a stern word, okay? 
But he goes on and says, and encourage with great patience and teaching. So as we live our lives out as Christ followers, as believers in Jesus, there are times we need to see really direct hard messages. But there's also times we need to be encouragers. Encouragers. Okay? Now, in Galatians 6, and, and Christ followers hear this, okay? So what do you do when you see someone, you know, maybe you know a brother, you know, another Christian, and they're really struggling in their life. In fact, they're going down a path that's going to lead some bad sin. What do you do? Well, Galatians 6 1 says this, brothers. If a person is overtaken, if they're ambushed in a sin, okay, you who are Christ followers um, should restore such as one in a spirit, a, a spirit of weak, uh, gentleness, meekness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. So what do you do, Christ followers, when you see someone and they're a Christ follower too and they're going, I mean, they're going to run right off a bridge morally. They're fixing to jump off a bridge morally. What do you do? You go to them in a very gentle spirit and say, dude, you do not want to do that. You love them and help them. That's what Christians do. We love and we help. Is it scary sometimes? Yeah. Yeah, it sure is. You know, being baptized, I don't know if you remember when you were baptized or not, but it's a pretty scary deal. Because, you know, the guy puts you into the water. You don't know if you're going to bring him. You know, he may keep you another 15 minutes. You know, you don't know. You have to trust him to do that. So is it scary when you reach out to someone and say, look, man, you really need to turn around because where you're going is going to hurt. So, so when he says that, that's what he's talking about. When we see someone. But sometimes it's a word of encouragement. How many of y'all ever need encouragement? Yeah. You, aren't you, you, you need that. Aren't, I just, you know, I, I went on this diet thing like last year, you know, and uh, it lost a bunch of weight. And, you know, and so, so I, I'm at that point now where I put like five pounds back on, six pounds. And you, and you go to the closet and you put your pants back on and you go, stupid humidity. These pants have shrunk a little. I know there's just not quite as much there as there was. And you know what my wife says? You look good today. <laughs> you look slim. And it really encourages me not to give up. Not to, and that's encouragement. And we need that. And when Paul says, sometimes there's a correction, but often we just need to be an Encourager. Paul wrote in another book and said, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you already are doing. So we're, yeah, we, we need to help our friends when we see them going down a wrong path, but we need to be encouragers also. Well, then Paul goes on and says in verse 3 and 4, he says, For the time will come, okay, you've got to preach the word. He said, For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine." But according to their own desires, will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. And that's what's happening in America today. Preachers have, in, in seeking popularity, it seems like we are too often afraid to preach the truth. That's gone into like, hell? What hell? You know, sin? What sin? Adultery? Well, everybody does it. And, and then consequently, church has become just like the world. And that's what happens when people who don't go to church, they look at the church and go, you're just like me. Why do I need your Jesus? And so we really need to be aware that we live in a culture where the church has become watered down. This book is incredible. I challenge you. You know what? If, if, you're, not, if you're not normally a Jesus person, you know... I, you need to get into this thing. It's amazing. You're going to find some stories that you'll go, you're kidding me. That's in the Bible. 
That's about, it's an amazing thing. And it stood the test of time, like thousands of years. They, you know, there's not like Bible 101, Bible 201, you know how you get software upgrades. Not the Bible. It stood the test of time. It's just amazing. I really challenge you to get into the Word and see what it says. And what you're going to find out is, is that the truth is better than any lie. And that what God says is very, very powerful. But it's popular in culture today to water that down. You know, we, we do VBS every year. How many of y'all have ever attended VBS? Come on, Vacation Bible School. Yeah, your, your mom, it was free babysitting. You just don't remember. You were three and your mom dumped you off at the church because she dumped two hours to myself. I love it. You remember those days? Well, you know what? We always used to serve Kool-Aid. Don't do it very much now. It stains the carpet too badly. But did you know what's amazing with Kool-Aid? You can, you know, you're supposed to put like like two cups of sugar and a half gallon of water. And then, you know, it tastes like pretty good. Okay? But then, did you know you can add a Kool-Aid to a gallon of water and it looks the same? It just doesn't taste the same. I mean, come on, come on, come on. Think back when you were a kid. You went to Bible school and you tasted this red water and you go, excuse me? All right, and you knew, and you knew they had watered it down. This book should never be watered down. I'm telling you guys, the Bible is incredible, and it stands on its own. And, and Paul is telling Timothy, there's going to come times where they're going to want you to water it down. But as Christ followers, we really need to stand and believe the word of God. And then he goes on verse number five. And then he says some things that most people don't like to hear. He said, but as for you, you know, exercise self-control in everything. That's what the diet thing's all about, self-control. You know, exercise self-control. Endure hardship. Again, being a Christ follower, sometimes it's not easy. It's hard. Again, a lot of pastors tell you, just trust God and everything's really cool, you know. Well, it is cool because, you know, what he does for you, but... Life is still hard sometimes. Endure hardship. Do the work of evangelists. In other words, when you get opportunities, share that great story about Jesus Christ and fulfill your ministry. Every one of us has gifts that we can use to tell others about Jesus Christ. And now I need to get this part in because I think it's pretty cool. And this is 2 Timothy 4, 6. Now remember, Paul's in prison. And a little bit later on in the book, there's, you know, a little bit later, he's going to tell Timothy this. Come before winter. You know why? He's going to die. In spring, he's fully expecting to be dead. So he's saying, Timothy, you, 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 you had, you've had a call like this before. If you want to see your mom, you need to come right now. I got that call in Germany in 2070, or 1978. Hi, this is the American Red Cross. If you want to see your mother alive, come now. And I got on an emergency flight and flew back to America and saw her the day before she died. Get those calls. Those emergency things. Well, this is Paul's emergency call. He's saying, Timothy, if you're coming, come before winter because I won't be here in the spring. That's hard. But look how Paul speaks of his life. He goes, I am already being poured out. He goes, I know I'm in prison for the cause of Jesus Christ and the time of my departure is close. In other words, I'm going to die. But you know what the amazing thing is? Paul could face death without fear because of his relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus isn't religion, guys. He's not religion. We try to make him that. He's not. This whole Christian thing, this whole believer thing, 
It's about relationship with God, with Jesus, and not about religion, and really not about church. So tonight, if you're here, and you've never really thought of it that way, you say, well, see, I thought like good people went to heaven. Did you know it's not true? Do you know good people don't go to heaven? And, and the flip side, do you know bad people don't go to hell? I got your attention now, don't I? Yeah, yeah, because see, the Bible says every person is sin. So if every person is sin, how many good people are there? That would be zero. So if only good people go to heaven, how many people are going to be in heaven? Zero. Now, see, heaven's not about being good or bad. It's about what you do with Jesus. Believing that he died for your sins 2,000 years ago. That's Good Friday. We're going to celebrate that in about a week and a half. Okay? And that they buried him, and on the third day, he came back to life. Not about Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal. Not about how often you darken the doors of a church. It's about believing by faith in Jesus Christ. And those 11 people all profess tonight, we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We've asked him to forgive our sins, and we also believe he'll forgive us. And he'll forgive you also if you ask him. Every time we meet, we have a time of decision at the end. Because we think, you know, what the Bible says is really important. And sometimes God calls people to act on his word. And that may be the case tonight. I know it would be like radical if you said, you know what? I want to do what they did. I want to know. I want to live a life with no guilt. That sounds incredible. And I want to live a life with no fear. That sounds incredible. And maybe you want to know more about that. And I have David come up and sing a song in just a moment. And, uh, and I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you be seated tonight. Just close your eyes. And I'm going to stand down front. And, you know, if you, want, if you want to come down and say, hey, Dwayne, would you pray with me? I want to know more about Jesus. You know, those kind of things. We would love to share with you tonight. Because Jesus Christ is the most incredible thing there ever is. I'm telling you. It happened for me about 45 years ago. Um, I trusted Christ. And it's been a great journey. It's been a great journey. So we want to give you that opportunity even tonight. So would you pray with me? God, thank you very much for the privilege of sharing tonight. And uh, thank you for the witness and testimony of those 11 folks as they uh, were baptized tonight, stating that they had trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. God, we can't understand how much you love us. It's incredible. And I'm glad it's not religion, and I'm glad it's not church, and I'm glad it's not do this and don't do that. I'm glad it's all about your amazing grace. I'm glad it's all about your amazing, unmerited favor as we put our faith and trust in you. So, Lord, if you've got someone here tonight, you're calling. Tonight's their night, just like it was for the 11, to put their faith and trust in Jesus. Well, I pray you'll give them the courage to come and ask more about that. And we just want to thank you for the great time. Thank you for every person that you allowed to come tonight. We're real grateful for that. So we love you, Jesus, and pray this in your precious name.